Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And uh, it's our second week of back to school month. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people actually have sort of finished their second week of school, depending on where you are. I'm not sure about globally. We do have a global audience. I don't know when when people internationally go back to school. What if they don't stop school? What if we're the weirdos that have a whole summer vacation for us to lose all of our school learnings, and then we get to just kind of stay in this stunted state of stupid until graduation? But, you know, maybe they also have that too. Maybe we're all (laughs) doing the same thing, so who knows? Uh, So... You know, uh, but it is currently back to school month. Um, you know, I, I hear about it at, at work with all my, my coworkers that have kids that are school aged, you know, they're talking to each other about, oh, you know, when are, when are your kids going back to school? Yeah. When do you get your, your parent vacation? Woo! <laughs> um, and so it's, it's definitely in the air. And for Film Buds this month, we decided to go and do a back-to-school theme where each episode is sort of centered on different types of people that you see at schools. So last week we did Teachers, we did School of Rock, and we did Dead Poet Society. Mm-hmm. Um, for this week's episode, we are going to do Jocks and Cheerleaders. Um, because I mean, like that, I think that those are definitely for people like, I think that especially here in America, if you say high school, one of the first things that springs to people's mind is high school sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it seemed appropriate to, uh, address definitely one of the, the sort of elephants in the room of, of school archetypes um and i guess with that sort of said um what is your experience with school sports um pretty much nothing other than explaining football to somebody um (laughs) a, a friend of mine in high school who whose idea it was to go to said football game at another school because our our high school did not have sports whatsoever. Um, and I don't watch sports, so that was a fun time of me trying to explain my very little understanding of football to somebody who apparently had even less understanding of football than I did. Well, and, and what age were you at this point? I don't know, like 14, 15 years old, like... Okay, so this is this, this is, is like I've got a perfect mental image of like the you at this point <laughs> <laughs> trying to desperately explain football as you understood it at that age and it's a it's a perfect picture for me. But also, you know, me not really wanting to be there either. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz like I went to an art school. We went to an art school. Yeah. You know, my interaction with with children and sports um stopped when i was probably like eight years old when when my mother finally stopped putting me into sports (laughs) like it just it wasn't it wasn't for me i i don't i don't i understand why other people do it Mm -hmm. 
but it is just not for me. Like it's just Your brother was a high school athlete. Yeah, he was he did wrestling. Yeah. So that's probably the like biggest sport. Um and then he did um like kung fu afterwards. Um which is I guess technically also another sport. Um but like he he didn't play football. Yeah. I mean in high school my brother was I guess technically like small. And mm-hmm. so like he probably actually looks more like body shape wise kind of like um um, the, the, uh, oh gosh, I'm just gonna click on it. Lee Thompson Young. Yeah, okay. So, his, his football career probably was never gonna, never gonna happen in high school. Yeah, like, and, small and, dude. you know, I, I, I definitely know that I am taller than your brother, so basketball, I think, was also definitely out of the question for your brother as well. Yeah, we, he, he liked <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. He liked wrestling, um, he, he played an instrument for a while, but, mm-hmm. like, again, like, and, um, my family has a, a lineage, I guess, of sorts, of, of cheerleaders that I didn't continue, um, <laughs> Both my mother and my, my sister were, were cheerleaders. I always forget that your sister was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm, in high school. And I was not. Because, again, there was just no access to it. And I wasn't about to go and cheer at a different high school. As awkward as I was in high school, I wasn't going to then, like, put myself in the situation of definitely not knowing anybody around me in order to do this thing that I thought I wanted to do. Like, I just, I didn't have the drive for it. No, I, I definitely get that. And also, you know no school that has cheerleaders has a shortage of cheerleaders. Exactly. You know, to where they're like, we gotta get kids from the art school to come in. I mean, maybe we would have uh, <laughs> made it more interesting, let me tell you what. But, like, um, I don't think that that was just, it wasn't my vibe, you know? No, I, didn't, I get that. I didn't want to be a cheerleader. If anything, I think that, like, in high school, you know, I guess my high school clique is the is the weirdos. It's It's the, you know... The mean girls click of, you know, the semi goth girl, the newbie, and and the definite gay. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. No, I. We get painted that. the rain the poles rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that that's all fair. Um, so, you know, I grew up. Um, my my mom was a lettered athlete. She was she was a lettered um, track and field and, and long distance running athlete in high school. Um, and my sister similarly was uh, Madeline, of course, friend of the show, Madeline Davis, um, <laughs> was also an athlete, you know, not just, you know, I, I talk about her being a semi-pro athlete in roller derby, which she was. But, I mean, her, her athleticism goes all the way back to her childhood. She was always a very active child, um, much more so than me. <laughs> um, she was always gung-ho, you know, to, to ramp off some shit with a bike. And, and <laughs> that, that was not... exactly right. <laughs> My sister was like, I'm Madeline Davis. I'm five years old. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> like, that, that was... <laughs> Whereas I was like, uh, you know, um, there's a bug. And so, um, what if I fall? You know, that was no, always honestly, my thought. That was, and that was so, me. I um, never wanted to get hurt as a exactly. child. Exactly. It was, it was like, like oh. but what if I 
awful. Being hurt sounds like it sucks. <laughs> so that was kind of always more my jam. Um, and uh, and so she ended up doing like track and field and, and cross country. Um, I did end up deciding that I wanted to get into martial arts uh, around elementary school. And so I mm. got into Taekwondo. Uh, and I even joined the sparring team, and I was pretty good. Um, and then practicing for, like, a, a test one one day, you know, tra- to transition um, to another belt level, I fractured my foot. And uh, I still went. I didn't know that I fractured my foot. I just thought I heard it. Uh, and I still went and did the test, and I didn't pass. Um and at the same time, I was also doing, like, at that point, football. Um, or I was, like, about to start doing football pretty close to then as well. And so I ended up just sort of dropping out of it. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up doing, funny enough that we're doing uh, one of these movies, um, I did do Texas football for a little while. Uh, <laughs> I was a uh, part of... The community leagues, you know, in, in certain Texas communities where you don't have middle school football teams or that sort of thing, you have community leagues. And um, I was a part of a community league. It was very competitive. Um, and I ended up actually not finishing that season because I got injured. Um, ah, not well, even during you. a game. It was in practice. Um, I, I had my hand pinned by a face mask at the bottom of a dog pile. Ah! Um, and so I ended up missing out on on the end of the season. Um, and then we moved. Um, Honestly, that's kind of, um, you know, similar. I was doing mm-hmm. Kung Fu for a while with, um, with my brother, and... And then we moved, and I was like, all right. That was kind of like, that was when it officially ended of, like, Lauren doing sports. And then I discovered musical theater. <laughs> and uh, I I went, no, these are my people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's, that's sort of my bit of experience with that. But also on top of that, um, Bailey, who came on the show back when, when Henry was hosting. We did mm-hmm. the WandaVision episode. Her father, uh, Adrian, is a high school football coach or was a high school football coach for a long time and he was a part of the uh the denton isd system and they were very serious football denton is a suburb of um dallas and they were serious football country and they were they were big shit his team was top dog sort of stuff and he was the offensive uh coach uh, the offensive coordinator, and uh, he wasn't the head coach at the time. But we went and watched them play in the Cowboy Stadium. Wow. And it was a televised game on ESPN. It was broadcast, you I know, just, like... I just don't understand the, the, the enthusiasm behind it. Like, for me, that's like somebody else not understanding why the earth is round i guess like it's just it doesn't compute for me (laughs) what people actually get what like what the enjoyment is 
of it. It would be, I guess, if I wanted to try and come up with a, a an equivalency that I felt like was relevant for you. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like how Northwest ended up getting the documentary about how they were the first school to do the color color purple. Oh, oh! After we left. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anywho, uh. um. <laughs> They missed out on some real talent for that show, but no, that's beside honestly, the point. No, so many black students left, and they were like, now we're going to do the color purple. Blech. Um, It Blech. ended up being like a lot of sophomores, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure it was, because all of the seniors had dipped. Um, so... I'm not bitter at all. I'm not a black woman who's bitter. <laughs> uh, but no, so that's kind of an equivalency. Or, like, if a school was good enough to do Hamilton so good that they televised it. I mean, maybe we should. Maybe we should do that instead, you know? (laughs) I'm... At at the end of the day, it creates the same kind of trauma. You might as well be be giving all of these students their their just, instead of it just being the, the ones that knock themselves unconscious the most. No, I mean, they all result in potentially, you know, similar lifelong in, uh, injury, you know, I know Cirque du Soleil, you know, is a random aside of, of like, performance and injury. Um, Cirque du Soleil has a, a huge turnover rate yeah, of because, performers because of bodily injury. Well, bodily injury and also just the schedule is just a lot. Yeah, it's hard strain on the body. You know? I mean, they end up doing in a touring show, you probably perform as many or more hours, probably more, than a professional football player. More. Yeah. More. The longest part of a football player's day is the game because it takes six hours for you to do it because they pause so often. But you're not actively doing things in those pauses. And even though that they do do all of this, like, you know, running and and weightlifting and things like that, like, you know, at the end of the day, so is the Cirque du Soleil person. So... And they have to perform for two hours. Mm-hmm. And they're they're doing it, you know, a night in this city, travel. A night in that city, travel. And you're getting your workout schedule in in that time as well. You know, yeah, it's, it's I mean, high like, intensity. You know, but also, I guess, like, you know, of course people are doing football and, and that's, you know, a, a great and it's, it's TV worthy and there's celebrities and stuff like that. But I think that we could share the love for all of these other industries for people who are working just as hard or harder than these people who have, you know, also dedicated their lives to this practice, like mm-hmm. these weird child cult things of them playing football at like eight years old. That's sickening. Well, we'll, we'll um, get into some of that discussion uh, <laughs> moving forward. But so just since throwing we're, that out there. Since we're doing jocks and cheerleaders, we decided that we would do two very different movies tonally. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're doing Bring It On and Friday Night Lights. You know, and with a name like Friday Night Lights, you would think it would be, like, like funner. Yeah, you know, like, you know, uh, like, like Friday Night Lights, you know? It's, yeah. It's, uh, almost American Graffiti. Yeah, you know, yeah, kind of yeah, that yeah, kind you know, of feeling. Like super you know? fun. Yeah. yeah. So, it's uh, completely not what I was expecting, just spoiler FYI. Spoiler alert, it's, it's less not. fun than it sounds. <laughs> um, and so, we're going to be doing those as an examination of, of jock and cheerleader dynamics, but before we jump into that, I thought that would be interesting to go and sort of look at where sport came from in school. 
Okay, okay. Right? Because it wasn't a part of education originally. Yeah, I guess, the, like, physical education. The little schoolhouse in Texas that I saw that was one of the first schoolhouses of Hill Country that probably was about as big as the room that we're in. Mm. Didn't have fucking sports, <laughs> you know? And so... No, 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 no. I that's... thought that it would be interesting. That's completely right. I mean, that school in, um, you know, not the not the Hounding of Hill House. Um... Bly Manor? No, Oh, no. Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass also yeah, yes. doesn't have... No, they weren't doing high school sports at the the midnight mass school no they had maybe 25 kids they were maybe doing like a pickup game of basketball but it was like every grade they had k through 12 there (laughs) and they were only playing like a half court you know there was so yeah people were day drinking it was fun Uh, so I thought that it would be interesting to go and look at a little bit of the history of how sports came to school no I love it um so, sports, um, like early baseball, football, were gener- generally considered an activity for poor children. Um, oh! <laughs> wow, I'm sorry, I was just not expecting that at all. Uh, and particularly in urban areas, you know, a bunch of immigrant kids playing stickball in streets in New York, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. Um, financially well-off children in early America did things that were typically done through private tutors and very structured activities, and it was usually things that were meant to make them well-educated and sophisticated people. And so, so it like, was music. Yeah, I was going to say learning an instrument. Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that sort of thing. No, yeah, things that have discipline behind them. Ballet. Exactly. Uh, general art. In some places, you even had taxidermy. Oh, oh. As an activity. And honestly, hunting was another thing that some rich people would take up, though more in a sporting way and less in a sustenance way. It was hunting for sport, not for sustenance. Um, and as education became more mandatory... Um, you know, in more states, and and that that process began to sort of expand. So too, uh, sport became a part of it. Um, the earliest form of student sport actually, however, weren't typically organized by schools, but were student clubs. Okay. And so some students got together to do like a. Uh, you know, a a football club, where they would all just get together at the at the field by the school and and play football. So like like Sandlot. Yeah. Um, so for a little bit of reference, Massachusetts is the first place to legally guarantee childhood education, and they do that in eighteen fifty two. Oh, okay. So, the last state to uh, formalize legislation around guaranteeing childhood education is Mississippi. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. So Massachusetts did it first, 1852. Would you like to guess when Mississippi did it? 
1917. Oh, okay. I was I was good. I, I thought that it was going to be like way later into the, the 1900s. Okay. So for those following along at home, dear listener, if you read between the lines, um, if you're ever questioning what might be considered a deeply held constitutional belief, not even public education falls under that category. Because Mississippi didn't even formalize its its education until just over a hundred years ago. So sports starts to get organized by schools because it starts to get seen as an opportunity to get kids off the streets. We've got a whole bunch of, uh, especially in cities, because it's 1852 to 1917, and so we're looking at industrialization, we're looking at urbanization, we're looking at immigration, all of these sort of big flux things in America. And so people go, I got it. I know how we're going to get these immigrant kids and poor kids off the streets. School sports. We've already got them at the schoolhouse. They're already playing them after school. We're going to organize sports and we're going to use it as a way to, one, get them off the streets, and two, teach them. What are we going to teach them? Cooperation. Teamwork. These sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the idea. You didn't have to be good. It's all about getting y'all together and getting y'all to be a team. And so we're going to do sports. And that was kind of the whole idea behind introducing sports into schools, was a way to kind of use it as a proper extracurricular to introduce things that these kids weren't getting, more structure for them, and less frivolous time to also potentially go and lapse into things like hoodlum behavior and and petty crime. And so... I mean, you know what the old saying is, you know, the, the busy hands. Yeah. Uh, idle hands make the devil's work. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got to keep yourself busy for, you know, for fear that you might fall into thoughts. And so uh, the first adult organized school sponsored sports group was in New York City. It was the Public School Athletic League established 1903. Cool. Um, more leagues and clubs opened across the country. However, the depression then caused them to close. Okay, that, that all makes sense. Um, and then, to fill in the gap for that, for-profit organizations began to form. Okay. And that's actually where the YMCA begins. Oh, wow, okay. The YMCA begins in the gap of sports and athletics closing for communities and people going... We can make an organization where people pay us and we provide it. Okay. And that's sort of where that whole sort of thing kicks in. And a, and a whole bunch of other organizations similarly start at that time that are for-profit groups, but that also means that sport then starts to become exclusive to middle-class and upper-class children. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Um, sport in school also then started to become focused toward competition. Instead of team building. 
And so eventually there was an outcry amongst educators as far back as a hundred years ago that by focusing sport on competition, we were excluding access of sport to students that need it but weren't considered quality enough in order to be to compete. Okay, okay, okay. Is that and where we get so, like PE from? I don't know exactly about the history of PE, but I do know that that is essentially where some of the outcry came that, you know, if you go and do this, you're excluding kids that need this. Copy. And so sport has always in school been a controversial thing. And sport as competitive. Has been even worse. And if I think when we get into our our second movie, I think that that's going to come. And actually even in our first movie, I think Mm -hmm. that's actually really a relevant thing. Is what does competition drive the student athlete to do? And Mm -hmm. what does it do to the soul? What's the burden of, of, of being in that place. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that'll be an interesting sort of talking point as we move forward. And we, of course, begin chronologically always here on the film, bud. So we begin back in the year 2000 with Bring It On. Woo! Bring It On uh, was released August 25th, 2000. It's an hour 38 minutes. It's rated PG-13. It's directed by Peyton Reed. It is written by Jessica Bettinger. Uh, And I'll go ahead and actually do a shout out to choreographer Ann Fletcher and cheerleading coordinator Brett DeVarn. Yeah. Uh, Our cast includes Kirsten Dunst as Torrance Shipman, Eliza Dushku as Missy Pantone, Jesse Bradford as Cliff Pantone, Gabrielle Union as Isis, and Nicole... Uh, Bitterback as Whitney. And the plot is a champion high school cheerleading squad discovers its previous captain stole all their best routines from an inner city school and must scramble to compete at this year's championships. Dun, dun, dun! Uh, and I guess with all that said, I'll I'll go ahead and turn it over to you, uh, dear. What did you think of Bring It On? I certainly know this was not your first time. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, God, no. Um, I've watched this movie so many times. Um, I love this movie. This movie is, is, is a perfect film for me. Um, it's... It's super funny. It's got a lot of like great character work. It's got some super fun shots that you just don't see in anything anymore. Like it's campy, but it's honest. It's just got a lot of these like good, warm, fuzzy feelings in there, but also ma- mixed in with like some really, really kick-ass cheerleading. Like honestly, some of these kids are so talented. I know they're probably like adults, honestly, but like it's still. Still, the the level of talent in these in these movies are, and I think that's also probably why like people really latched onto this idea of them as like a very staple sports movie esque genre. You know, the the cheerleading sport, and 
making just so many of them because it's just an easy con- concept to be like high schoolers cheerleading competition kick-ass cheerleading routines like it's it's a slam dunk every time you know well not every time but the cheerleading is always great um no this movie is just so good i think that kirsten dunst does a phenomenal job um it's right in her pocket um right in that period of time when she's like also just right before being uh mary jane yeah this is literally just before and you know it's it's really it's it's a really common trope kind of character of this time period in movies where it's like the the pretty blonde who's kind of stupid but people allow them to be stupid because because they're pretty and they're 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 wealthy you know these kids are the the wealthier kids here obviously they wouldn't have stapled inner city on there if they weren't talking about the hood children mm-hmm. um but i i just i think that this also is like a great um you know other side of the tracks kind of movie i think that this it it does a lot of really great stuff in this and i just really have a lot of fun watching it um, I think that Eliza Dushku is super funny. Um, I love her transition throughout this film of, like, starting out being, like, the, uh, whatever, I'm just here because I needed an extracurricular, basically, kid to, like, finding friendship in this and, like, fighting for what's right because also she's our voice of reason character this entire time. You know, she's like, no, this is wrong that you guys have stolen these routines even if they didn't know. And, like, we gotta fix this. We gotta do, we gotta go out strong. We can't just keep doing this. You know, and she's kind of like, I guess, the, the good angel on on Kirsten Dunst's shoulder, like, the entire time. Because there's also, like, the bad angels of the other of the other cheer people. Um, and it's just a fun, like, high school mu- movie as well, you know. It's it's totally right there. These kids don't care about anything other than, other than cheerleading, you know. Like, I, I loved the fact that both of these movies had almost the exact same line in it, which was like... I can't do anything else other than this. Like, this is what I do. I do, I do X. In this movie, it's I cheer. Mm -hmm. That's who I am. That's my entire existence. Like, I don't need any other skills other than being able to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just like a, it's really fascinating, honestly. It's also a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, it's such a young age for all these people to be going through this, like, I need to make it now mindset or else that's it. I'm done after this point. My life stops at 18 years old. That's pretty bleak considering some people die at 100. Yeah. You know, what are you supposed to do with the rest of those 80 years? You're just supposed to sit there and be like, gosh, remember my high school days. Because it was supposed to be huge. It was supposed to be this. But um, I I went on an entirely long rabbit hole of thoughts about this movie. Um, what did what did, What are your takeaways? <laughs> Um, no, so I, I grew up, um, watching this movie. I don't know, I don't really remember how we came to watch Bring It On. Um, but, but we ended up coming upon it somehow. Um, probably I would imagine, um, my sister had something to do with it. Um, and... So this was this was a a movie that I grew up watching routinely. Like I I know this movie very very well. Um and honestly Peyton Reed actually the director of this movie made two movies that I grew up watching 
pretty religiously as as like routine comedies that were on uh, as a kid. One was Bring It On and the other one was Down With Love with Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. And uh, it's a send-up of Rock Hudson Doris Day rom-coms of the 50s. Okay. And it's phenomenal. He did two really wonderful comedies um, of the early aughts. Bring It On is is one of those. I think it is really, really well done as a sort of, you know, uh, Clueless-esque movie. You well, know, I, I think that, yeah, yeah, it hits you know? that kind of share vein. Yeah, for um, sure, for sure. And so I think that it works for people on that level where they can just come into it and just languish in all of the humor Mm -hmm. and all of the early aughts late 90s isms Mm -hmm. of the movie and i think that you can come to it and i think that you can really enjoy it in all of that sense i think you can also come to it on a deeper level and i think that this is really where the movie so much excels is that it isn't just about the humor it isn't just about the jokes these cheerleaders aren't just caricature cartoon people i mean they are funny and and heightened yeah. But what's really great about this movie is that at its core, it's a story about um, appropriation, mm-hmm. about the stealing of ideas, you know, about slapping a white label on a black sound, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I think that it manages to do it in this ultra palatable way by using something so frivolous to most people as... Uh, yeah cheerleading yeah no no for sure it disarms the entire subject did you not expecting it no and so and it just makes it so organic Mm -hmm. and i think that the power of the kirsten dunst torrance shipman character is she was comfortably living in her bubble but then she sees injustice and she actively wants to correct it not even just in the sense of it being motivated by, oh, this has been motivated by race. For her, it's motivated by, I've been led to believe that I am the best because that's what everyone told me. And now I'm presented with this actuality that I was only the best because it was built on someone else's foundation. And now I have to prove my prove to myself. And I now need to dig deep and figure out whether or not, like, I can do this. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's what also helps make it such this wonderfully grounded story, is that on every single level, for me, I think the comedy, I think the humor, I think that the character work, uh, or the comedy, I think that the character work, and I think that the overall plot structure, all are just falling into line really, really succinctly. Yeah, In no. a very effective way. I think that this movie is just really, like, slam dunk the funk on, like, so many levels. Um, I just, like, it's 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 truly amazing how how they, they managed to, to wrap this thing up. Because also it could have still been, like, a, like a pretty bad cheer movie. Yeah. 
Like, it, it could have been, like, all of these really interesting things, and then it would And then like, all the cheerleading sucks. Yeah, or we just don't get to see any of the actual cheerleading, mm-hmm. you know? It's like a sports movie where all you get to see is locker room stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it could have been it could have been that, but then, like, they really just, they took the time and the, the effort and really just made this thing something, something remember, to, to be remembered, you know? I, I think that its legacy also, you know, this movie is 22 years old at this point when we're recording this. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane that, like, I grew up watching this movie. You definitely grew up watching this movie. You know this movie as well as I know Mean Girls. Yeah. And that's a fact. Um, But that's, it's also the same type of, like, film. Yeah. You know? We gravitated. They struck the same sort of vein. Exactly, exactly. It's this, it's this, um... Whereas, like, to your point, this movie is definitely more of a... It is because of this story of this kind of, like, the others. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got this 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 wealthy white school where all of the money is going because this is, this is where all the money is. And then we've got these, these, these inner city students who are all of color. And it's, it's their, their fight for this thing that they love, this frivolous thing, this thing that people don't care about, this... But they, they do this because they're not only doing it for themselves, but they're also doing it for their community, you know? And I think that that's such a powerful message, whereas, like, of course, you know, the the, the wealthy students are, are taking it seriously, but it's also kind of like, you know, they've been patted on the back their entire life, been told that they are the best their entire life. So also, you know, they're not, they're not above you know, falling back into the very things that got them there in the first place. You know, there's a whole scene where one cheerleader's like, I think that it would just be easier to keep cheating. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people agree with that. Yeah. Because it's easier to lapse into the bubble. Mm-hmm. Why should I have to fight for something that I've never had to fight for before? That sounds hard. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you've got... Torrance, but then also Missy. Mm-hmm. And both Missy and her brother, even though they come from money, I feel like the implication is that they're almost like nouveau riche. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel is kind of the underlying thing about them. Yeah, that's why they don't fit in. It's because they're they're new money. Exactly. And they have these interests that, that are more associated, and this vibe that's more associated with, you know, poverty. Yeah, exactly. He listens to punk music. She she dresses in this rocker grunge aesthetic, yeah. you know. She she must be a lesbian because she looks like X. Yeah. And so, you know, you get both of them, I think, as and especially the Eliza Dushku character, Missy, she also acts as, like you said, this sort of backup angel, and I think that's also because she's the character that has awareness. She, because she is the outsider, Mm -hmm. she brings that outsider perspective right back into the mix. Mm -hmm. Every time everyone wants to keep it distant, Mm -hmm. Missy, because of her absolute awareness of the outside world, can bring it right back into the conversation. Yeah. And I think that that also helps really keep some of the, the, the cheerleader debate very focused by also giving Torrance a natural backup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's her growth character. That's kind of her, um, you know, if we're looking at this as a, as a hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then on a certain level, 
Is that That's Gandalf? her Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. That's okay. her Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the one that really knows what's going on and is here to help guide our lead on their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, I, I really, and I think that what also works for this movie, what also works for this movie is they don't make the other school the gabrielle union school uh i'm blanking on the name of the school um i don't know what the name of the school is but i do know that they are the clovers it they make the clovers relatable still Mm -hmm. they don't isolate the clovers they don't make the clovers the other in an enemy sense no yeah because they have just as much right to be there mm-hmm. you know and, and bad things are happening to them and if you if you framed them in a way that they are the bad guys and then bad things are happening to them then we can't also sympathize with their plight yes. and understand where they're coming from when they say that no this is wrong and i think that it's really powerful also that the movie uses very little screen time but i think that this is also about economic and effective use you know of your acreage if you will um Mm -hmm. we don't get as much screen time with the clovers but every moment that we have with them is very impactful Mm -hmm. and very much sells us on who these characters are and informs us on who who these people are and what their struggle is uh in a very very organic way and i i think that it again just helps it just it just helps make the whole movie fire on a lot of cylinders. I'm a big fan of this movie. Actually. No, yeah, honestly, like I haven't seen this movie in a while. Um, I will put that out there. And on the rewatch, it was just as funny as like watching yeah. it for the first time. It is, it's it's fresh and it, in a way that I wasn't expecting. Honestly, it's a little edgy. Yeah, you know, I was you know. I didn't realize how many things this this movie was was touching on when I watched this movie at like ten years old. Yeah, you know, like I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I hadn't, to your point, I also hadn't seen it in a while, but it was, it was absolutely 100% worth the rewatch. Um, and I was really, really satisfied with, with the journey overall. No, yeah, for sure. Honestly, like, and of uh, movies of this age, like, this, this movie has aged pretty, pretty well. There was, there was only one time where I was like, this scene could go. <laughs> This scene right here. Which one? Oh gosh, it's it's the one where they're like, um, talking about everybody's sexuality. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's the scene that the, that could go because because they they use a few words where I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. no, that's fair. <laughs> but other than that, like the movie is 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 very progressive and is very inclusive and is it is a great window into you know what it is like to feel otherized mm-hmm. in in a way that you can't do anything about yeah you know you can't you can't change where you grow up you can't change how much money you truly make and you can't change what you look like yeah but hard work and perseverance should be rewarded to those who deserve it yeah and and you know spoiler alert you know a little bit in the end our lead characters don't win but it's deserved yeah it's totally fine because also they won something for themselves in not winning because they proved to themselves that they were good enough without cheating to still be in the top three yeah 
That's important. That's an important achievement to to because especially for for people who could have just sunken into some really negative shit and just been like, well, well, screw all of this. I'm not going to try ever again and and you know, sink into their pity. They they were like, "No. We're going to work hard and we're going to prove this not only to ourselves but to everybody else yeah. that we are actually capable of doing this and we don't need we don't need somebody else's routines yeah. in order to succeed, you know, and and that's a that's a great achievement, you know. You don't have to get the leading role; just being in the musical can be enough. Yeah, and 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 that's that. To your point, I think is something that is echoed by this movie, but then also to a certain extent, um, the coach of our next movie. You know personal achievement looks different to everyone Mm -hmm. you can achieve greatness for yourself when everyone else calls you a loser yeah and and i think that that's definitely something that's that's very present here um and it's it's all about also you know being able to look yourself at the end of the day in a mirror and and having dignity with yourself yeah i'm i'm proud of me yeah i'm proud to be me and I think that, you know, especially for, for this age bracket that we're, we're hitting, you know, that's a hard thing to say to your teenage self, you know, to be like that you were, you were proud to be that person. I'm proud I worked my ass off and, and put my, myself on the line in every sense. Yeah, this was a very vulnerable situation. And, you know, at the end of the day, did they, did they win gold? No, but they won personal gold and that is far more important. Yeah. Than some trophy. No, absolutely. And so I guess on that note, we should go ahead uh, and rate this bad boy. So yeah. if you had to rate Bring It On out of five, what would you rate it? This movie's a five. This movie's perfect. I love this movie. Slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I'm going to go ahead and give it a five as well. Yeah, um, like, no question. This is my childhood. It's deserving. It's... Um, it it is effortlessly funny. It is thrilling. Um, at times it is <laughs> occasionally a little grisly with mm. some of the the cheer injuries. Oh my gosh! No, but that's where it's uh, the camp falls into the girl who just like doesn't have any teeth. And so it's so <laughs> it's so good at times, and mm-hmm. I really really enjoy this movie a lot. Um. And it's a it's a great way to introduce a complex idea to a child at a young age. Yeah. I I literally grew up watching this movie. I probably started watching this movie back when it came out in yeah. 2000, so I was 8. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Eight I to 10 probably. I literally can't tell you the first time I watched this movie, but I know that I have watched this movie so many times, you know? <laughs> And and so like I think that it's a great way to 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 put it out there and also just to have a good time. You know, it is PG thirteen, but also as far as PG thirteens go, it's it pretty, is pretty soft. tame. It's yeah, pretty tame. No, yeah, this is this is like a nineties PG. Yeah, guys. you like, know, like, we're being completely honest here. Yeah, you know, there have been there have been PG movies that have gotten away with more. Oh yeah. No, yeah. That's how I felt when we when we did um Goonies at that theater yeah. where all those parents with their kids were and I was like, This is 
I was like, get ready for some 80s PG, parents. You forgot how racy this movie was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, absolutely. Um, Moving on Mm -hmm. to our second film of of the evening. I guess appropriate that it comes out on Friday. Hey! It's almost like we planned it. The subconscious did it, really. Mm. <laughs> Jungian. Um, <laughs> perhaps Freudian, depending mm-hmm. on your on your bend. Uh, anywho. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So, our next film is Friday Night Lights. Uh, it came out October 8th, 2004. Uh, the runtime is 1 hour, 58 minutes. It's rated PG-13. It was directed by Peter Berg. It is written by Peter Berg and David Aaron Cohen, based on the novel uh, Friday Night Lights, A Town, A Team, and a Dream by Buzz Bissinger. (laughs) That's not a real name. (laughs) The premise is based on H.G. Bissinger's book, which profiled the economically depressed town of Odessa, Texas, and their heroic high school football team, the Permian High Panthers. Uh, The film stars Billy Bob Thornton as Coach Gary Gaines, Jay Hernandez as Brian Chavez, Derek Luke as Booby Miles, Lucas Black as Mike Winchell, Garrett Hedlund as Don Billingsley, and Lee Jackson as Ivory Christian, and, of course, the late great Lee Thompson Young as Chris Comer. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and take things away on this one. Mm -hmm. So on top, of course, of growing up in Texas football, uh, you know, Adrian coached. I played. My Uncle Charlie uh, coached as well. Then I taught in a Texas football town. I taught in a rural Texas football town. And... uh, I think I would claw my eyes out. (laughs) I'm, of course, also familiar with Midland, Odessa. And so this movie was one that I had seen. This book was one that you heard about a lot growing up in in Texas. Um, Well, I mean, it is in Texas. And so it was it was quite the book you know because it was a true story as well and so it was it was one that when the movie came out there was definitely a lot of anticipation around it and about it and i was living in texas at the time it was it was a hot film you know mm-hmm. for a lot of a lot of kids and a lot of people um and for a lot of them you know it it very without any sense of irony you know struck a lot of a chord mm-hmm. uh for for many of them for me at the time, it didn't necessarily hit that that note, and I think that that was definitely also because at that time, even though I was coming up on playing football or had already played football, um, it still wasn't necessarily my world. You mm-hmm. know, it was still one that I had a lot of distance to uh, personally. And so i think for me when the when the movie first came out it wasn't one that necessarily resonated with me in a in a particularly deep way as i've gotten older coming back to it i haven't watched it since i saw it in theaters i actually did see this one back in theaters long long ago wow and coming back to it after all this time i was more impacted by it i saw more of the truth in some of the things that I had experienced growing up, 
you know, with sort of my adult eyes looking, looking backwards, I was yet reminded of things that I had experienced with my time teaching and the sort of stories that you would hear and, and some of the attitudes and some of the perspectives that you saw. I mean, Dayton High, um, our, we, we were a, a very poor community. Um, we were a majority poor education district and our football stadium was massive, you know, compared for a high school football field. Uh, it wasn't attached to the school itself because it was used by multiple districts and, and areas around us. You know, it was kind of a community area mm-hmm. and it was big. It was bigger than the Providence football field, you know. Um, oh, jeez. It was a proper fucking football field. It looks like it should have been for like a 70s college, almost. Yeah. Um, close to the CP. Close to the CP football field. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's too much. No well, bullshit. I mean, this is... And not same. sunken in. Above no, ground. No, no, no. I that's what I thought you meant. Yeah, and so um, built up concrete, you know, like Oh god. And f- sure as shit. Friday night in the fall, you know, the sun goes down, you could see those sodium fucking lamps, you know, like you could see god. those lights on. And and staff was not expected to, but was asked to volunteer. Uh, you always definitely had people volunteer. I never did volunteer. Um, Why waste a Friday night? Uh, well, you know, especially when I had someone long distance at the time. And so... It was the dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. And so, you know, it, it... Coming to it, I definitely had a very different impact for me. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie definitely struck a very different chord. I think that... Peter Berg in this movie more than in some of his later films is doing a little bit more of a Michael Bay impression as a director. Uh, That's just the way that I sort of saw how some of the way that he framed things and some of his music cues, I felt that he was very much calling on a little bit more of a uh, Michael Bay aesthetic and tone. Oh, interesting. Um, But everybody wasn't, wasn't bathed in slightly yellow tinted light the entire no, time. No, that's fair. But I really liked it. I thought that for the for the most part it's hard to condense a novel about a football season where I'm sure the book was able to go into months of time into such a condensed period. And so I think that they structured it well for the time that they had. Um and overall I was actually really impressed with Especially how frankly they presented oh yeah, some of the very negative reality mm. of this life that is, I will promise you very much real, yeah, and it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, at, at this point in the show, I think that anyone listening is is very aware of how I feel about football um but here we go (laughs) um no i think that i thought that this movie was 
fascinating. Um, I don't really, I'm not like a sports movie kind of person. Like, again, I don't really watch sports. So why on earth would I watch dramatic versions of sports? You know, I just, it's not, it's not my bag. But um, I think that every genre has something good within it that, that highlights very well what this thing is supposed to be and I think that this is it you know I think that Friday Night Lights is doing a, is a doing a really interesting job of showing me um a football movie that truly does to your point like feel as honest as it is um and it's 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 uh it it, it makes it makes my my stomach crawl it makes my my skin itch um how how frustrating i find the world of football and it's because they're they're children um and i think that it's just really really disturbing all of the all of the praise that people get for for playing football and then you know just like these kids they can have lifelong injuries and nobody will give a fuck after after those lights turn off and i think that that's horrible i think that that's completely just 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 wrong and it's very manipulative of young impressionable people and i think that this movie does a perfect job of of giving me that you know it's 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 true you know these coaches as much as they are you know good people they're also sons of bitches you know like the way that they treat these kids is is truly remarkably bad um there's just no way around that for me um and the fact that people pay money to allow their children to to be screamed at like they're they're worthless all day long so that they throw ball good and they run real fast um is is huh. but i digress um i think that people are doing a phenomenal job in this movie i think that billy bob is 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 doing the most billy bob performance he possibly could in this but he is in texas and it is exactly where he needed to be um <laughs> I my star in this movie is is not our um our lead our lead focus character Lucas Black um who is who is um like Well our three focus teens are Lucas Black uh as as Mike, Derek Lucas Booby and Garrett Hedlund as Don. Those are our three focus teens. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's really funny that they have like Jay Hernandez higher than any of them. And, like, no offense to Chavez, but, like, what did you do in this entire movie other than be Chavez? It's because of his career more lately, I think. Oh, okay, well, then good for you. Good for you for coming up even above the rest of this cast. Good for you. Oh, fancy. Um, but, yeah, I think that, well, of our three, you know, I think that my standout is definitely Derek Luke. I think that he does a phenomenal job. I think that the... the He's heartbreaking. Oh, God, that entire storyline absolutely guts me. He's upsetting. Every, and he, he does such a good job that you just hurt with him. And you, and you see this kid, like, get just injured and put on a happy face and show the world this happy person that they've known t for so long and then break when it's when it's just him and his uncle and that scene is hard and it is so good to watch and there's something about this movie that is exactly bring it on but it is the, the hard, dark, hard, terrible version, shitty version way. of reality of of it. Because at the end of the day, these movies do the exact same arc, you know. 
but one is 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 dramatized fiction is glory it's it's big it's it's body and it's in your face and it's having a good time whereas this is very harsh reality and it is it's truly uh, fascinating to 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 get like the the little bits of that from bring it on but then this this one to really slam home what this what this whole thing means to not only these students but also the community around them you know i loved the the mirroring of every male in this town having a huge obnoxious stupid ring on his finger that was the proudest thing that he had ever done in his life and he was going to show that thing off everywhere and everyone in this town knew because everyone in the town had one because they were all champions and i think that it is fascinating to to watch also you know this idea of like this being the greatest thing ever and then also these town this town filled of you know the drunk dad and and the 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 police chief and and some teachers and and crap just everybody having these rings but then doing like nothing else with their life you know like and also that is that is truly the reality of this because for for a lot of people you know you go from being a superstar to before you even can drive to then being thrown into the real world and going all right that was fun right remember all that learning that you didn't do in school now you're gonna be a trucker for the rest of your life have fun well i mean you know um in in my in my school in my district my principal had originally been, he had grown up in the community, he had gone to school in the area, he had played football back then, um, he went off to school, became an educator, came back, taught in the area, became an assistant coach. When he was an assistant coach, um, he was the coach of one of the people who ended up becoming one of the people who was an assistant principal at the time that I was at the school. And he was now, of course, uh, the principal. Um, but he had gone all the way from assistant coach to head coach, and then he was, of course, now the principal. His son had been in the football team. Mm-hmm. Um, and his son was, of course, now going off to college, and his other son was in football as well. And so, like, this is... This is as... as real as it gets and i just and again you know like i said earlier i just don't get it you know i totally i'm totally here for you know you were with earlier with your history lesson about why we do sports like i totally understand the reason behind but it's gotten twisted it's it's because now essentially if i'm gross if i'm you know if i if i'm allowed to soapbox just for a Oh, yeah, I mean, have you heard me? I will be frank. Um, I think part of the the problem of of modern education and modern sport is that it is all a pipeline to private big entertainment athletics, Mm -hmm. for the most part. Certain sports are literally still about the love of doing the sport. They're called the underfunded ones. Yeah, the ones that nobody cares about. The ones that are often in, like, the Olympics. Like, curling. And fuck shit like that. You know? And so... But when you get into things like football, 
like soccer, like cheerleading, you are looking at big business that is now, it used to just reach far into college. You know, there was the NFL, there was the pro sector, and they eventually started to reach into college to start Mm -hmm. figuring out to recruit from. Now, essentially, the mechanism indirectly reaches all the way as far back as as high school, and really, on a certain level, people are even being sort of funneled already as far back as middle school. They're not being scouted, but people are definitely being funneled as far back as middle school. And so then you get into the high school system where it is essentially kids then at this certain level, this promise of a potential step up out. And like I said, I I did teach in a majority poor district and I had several student athletes and they had big aspirations, you know, a lot of them did. And we even did have one kid several years ago decades at this point if i'm not mistaken or at least uh who did end up going pro Mm -hmm. one but that's enough right this kind of mythologized legend it's almost sort of the same odds as hollywood you know it's it's the same sort of odds but people teach it and promote it like it has better odds than becoming a movie star or a pop star but they have about the same odds. Yeah. And and I think that that's some of the problem for me, especially as an educator, because at a certain point, you know, I heard, especially one of my mentor teachers, regularly say the problem with student-athletes is is that everyone forgets that the first word is student. Yeah. And so that is literally something that everyone, I think nose is a a sort of stereotype of the system but it still is definitely a perpetuating theme well yeah because at the end of the day it's something that they don't want they don't have the the want to fix mm-hmm. you know oh it's like a pothole in the road you know it's there every day and you hit it and you go oh gosh darn it and you move on with your life mm-hmm. every single time and i really enjoy college athletics and i really enjoy pro athletics no but these are also now become these are adults Mm -hmm. that are making choices you know we're dealing with high school children we're we're dealing with kids we are dealing with people who have been doing this since since before they even hit puberty Mm -hmm. how what other thing you know do we do in our society that we're like no you are allowed to do this at eight years old all the way up until you know, with the aspiration that you you know you're going to do this as a career mm-hmm. one day, like this is going to be the thing that you do forever. Now we have been preparing you, and like other countries, you know, throughout history have done similar things with similar stuff. But at the end of the day, those things had a goal that was like, all right, you know, we're gonna pick you up out of this high school, and we're gonna we're gonna hand you a gun, and we are gonna teach you how to how to do this. And maybe one day you can go off. But also, if you don't, that's fine with us too. Because we've got a whole pipeline of other people right behind you going, this is an easy way out of doing taxes for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, being 
um, I don't know, a real estate agent or something, you know, this is the thing that's going to make my life matter. And mm -hmm. that's a problem because of the fact that when they get dumped on that final day, there's nobody there to help them transition. Yeah. And you see that all the time, you know, it is a, a regular horror story of athletes who went pro, but they weren't Tom Brady. They weren't even Tom Brady's backup. They and, weren't even Tom Brady's ugly cousin. And they did a few seasons and they thought that it was going to be big and they were making good money, but they didn't save and invest in any kind of way. And then they found themselves impoverished and unsure of how to save or manage money in any kind of way. And on the other side of all of this, they had to go and try and figure out how to be a person again. Yeah. Once upon a time, this is a really random tangential sort of, you know, backstory. Uh, it used to be that pro athletes had to go and, like, find essentially kind of like teachers, fill in gaps. And so it used to be that a lot of pro athletes, this is actually kind of where sponsorship and athletes sort of mingled together, used to be that a lot of pro athletes back in the day would go and do things like be a car salesman. Because it was easy for them to go to their town where they were a football player, or the town that they grew up in, mm -hmm. be a car salesman, because everyone wanted to come and see and buy a car from mm -hmm. X player. But that was how they had to go and fill in their time. Yeah. And if you were a really good player, if you were a really well-played player, you didn't have to. But Joe Schmoes had to just go and, like, nine to five it. Well, yeah, because also they weren't making a livable wage off of just doing their sport alone, whereas it now... kept them through the season. Yeah. But that was it. Whereas now we are paying these people absorbent amounts of money. And, and that's and... also why it reaches so far back now. It's it's just this... And, and that's also the sort of same with the military. That's why you have like JROTC. It's, it's taking children and telling them and patting them and making them feel safe and secure and going, I am an adult. I can tell you where you're supposed to go because you have to trust me because I'm an adult and they do it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that overall this movie is, is fascinating. I think it's heartbreaking. It I think truly that, is. I think that all the performances are, are really well done. I think that the, by focusing also on particular, I think that focusing on particular football games pointedly also helps keep the narrative very focused and very together no yeah and i mean like some of the other like i the lucas black um storyline mike's storyline i thought was fine like mm -hmm. i think that like i think that his storyline was completely valid you know he's this kid who who understands the game and wants to be in this game but also like doesn't at the same time and he's has a not, lot of he doesn't know really what he wants to do he's very functionally good at it but that doesn't necessarily know that he's not like a great improviser yeah he's having a hard time in in the moment and there's a lot of pressure you know and when pressure comes people react in different ways and his body freezes mm -hmm. and and that's like his his whole crutch this entire time and like he wants to do this in order to help out his mom who is who is sick you know, but also 
if he leaves, who's going to take care of her? And this is like this hard, you know, back and forth with all of these, all of these students, Mm -hmm. you know, having to deal with a lot of heavy stuff in their, in their lives. And I thought that one scene was great when they were talking about, you know, when they're doing the the whole shooting of the the rocks, the the, the pull and shoot one out of the air. And he was like, you know, you got, you're 17. He's like, well, I sure don't feel 17. Do you feel 17? You know, no, this is, this is heavy stuff for them. You know, this is, this is what people take their lives over is, is, is pressure like this. And, and I think that, I mean, I've already talked about Booby Miles, but I think that his storyline is absolutely heartbreaking because also, you know, he's, he's our only like main, who is a, who's a person of color as well. And this hard life that like, he has worked so hard to give his uncle something that he would never be able to have and that you know that dream gets taken away and like what do you do with that mm-hmm. you know and then like um don who is just who has the, the world's worst dad ever yeah just absolutely a terrible dickhead you know so like all of these kids are like dealing with so much pressure and then like and it's all wrapped in this this really intricately woven story about them and their football careers, you know? And this, the, the, the Friday Night Lights. And I swear, I thought this movie was going to be like, by the name alone, I thought it was going to be like a disco movie or something. Like, I swear, it's Friday Night Lights, you know? <laughs> you could have told me the football games were on a Thursday. I would have been like, sure, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if they were on a Thursday, they wouldn't last for so freaking long. <laughs> They'd be like, guys, we got school tomorrow. Like, let's go. <laughs> so if you had to rate Friday Night Lights out of five, what would you give it? Um, I truly, I, I really, really um, like this movie a lot. I'm, I'm going to give this movie a four and a half. Um, uh, and I think really I'm just like my, my main... I guess my main gripe is it that it is a football movie. I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, I would have I would have loved to see. I think more of of the games as well. I think that we get a lot of the games, but I do think that we focus a lot on the drama side of it. And like I think that we don't get as many of those moments as, as you do in Bring It On that are like truly athleticism maximized, like a really interesting moment they they frame a lot of the games around like the dramatic arc of this movie Mm -hmm. um i'll i'll go for a four and a half as well um i think it's really well done um i think it's i think it's smart i think it's focused um i think that berg as a director is very good at getting a good cast together that knows how to give a very emotionally competent performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he also, that's why he does a lot of true stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that as a director, his strengths are functionally telling a story well and having a good cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he is veered out of that, I think it has always been when he gets into his worst. Mm. Um, but like you look at this, you look at Deepwater Horizon, um, you look at Lone Survivor good competent emotional performances with good competent functional storytelling um and and i think that that's definitely here uh and so I'll, i think that I'll, I'll definitely go with a four and a half for sure um 
to wrap things up as far as what we've been watching, uh, we did go and we did a binge of all of the Predator movies. We did Predator, Predator 2, Predators, The Predator, and Prey. Yeah, we did. Um, you can go and read all of my reviews on Letterboxd. Um, and you can find them on the Film Buds Twitter. I linked them all on there if you would like to. Uh, we also watched Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, great film. Oh, yeah. It's honestly, it's the best one. Um, no, the be- the best one of is... Okay. The best one is technically Curse of the Black Pearl. The second one. My... F- uh, no, Curse of the Black Pearl, the first one. Yes. My favorite one is Dead Man's Chest. The second one. Yes. Okay. Because Davy Jones. Well, hold up a minute. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, I just did a Girlfriend Reviews. Hold up a minute. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think that you're completely, completely accurate about that. I think that he is, like, the best part of the second movie. And Everything and- about him, the ship... You know, everything yeah, the, with, the, with Davy Jones is great. The whole thing works. But honestly, like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a two-part movie. You know, it, it, it's the finish of the story. Because I think that also it's a perfect two-parter as well. You know, the the third one is where we, we start to go crazy. But I think that this really is like a... We started, we have this good ending on the first one, and then we pick right back up. And I think that that's where they started to not know what to do after the second one was with the idea of this continuing the story in in, in increasing how many adventures Jack Sparrow can possibly we get We gotta into. resurrect him from the dead. No, literally. Ah, 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 Barbosa. They killed him and they were like, just we're bring gonna bring him, him back. Just gonna bring him back. Um, it got cheap. What did What did you think of the of the Predator movies overall as a franchise? As... We might talk about them later, so don't don't get too deep. But what are like, don't like? Um, I I really enjoy the the movies a lot. I think we start out really strong with the first one, and then I think we end really strong with this newest one. And I think that the other ones the, in the middle, middle is where we get a little gray. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The middle starts to get a little like, wee, we're having a fun time. And you're like, where is the direction here? It's great. But they're they're all good for different reasons. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's about all that we have for y'all uh, today, honestly. Um be sure to come back next week as we continue our journey into back-to-school territory. Be yes. sure to go back last week and listen to our teacher episode. Mm-hmm. Um, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That's going to go out uh, middle of this month. Um, and that's just about all that I have for y'all. Dear, do you have anything that you would like to, to say? Um... I am, I totally understand why people do sports. I totally get it. And I think that sports are great. And if you like watching sports, like more power to you. Um, But also, you know, there are other things out there too. You know, there are other colors of the rainbow. Go and explore some other things as well. You know, you may find a new sport that you've never heard of that you you really dig. Um, Maybe handball. Well, and uh, I will also, I guess I will say this in conjunction with that. Um, 
you know, I was definitely one of those kids growing up at a certain point that uh, had a lot of animosity toward um, kids in sports because I'd had some bad experience with kids in sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you, dear poor nerd child, are out there listening, uh-huh. um, I understand certainly where you might come to some of your uh, potentially prejudicial opinions. However, uh, they're not all bad. And eventually, no. you can find common ground because at the end of the day, definitely what any sports movie will show you is that we are all made of the same material. People that have drives, people that have aspirations. We all strive, we all seek, we all want to be something. And and I think that, you know, we can we can all celebrate the glory of effort. I love that. I love that entirely. But that's also I guess it's like, you know, try Try another color of the rainbow, you know? Because there are other things out there that are just as interesting, you know? Yeah. Go and watch a play. Yeah. Go do something, go just do something anywhere. Because you, the more you expose yourself to things that are different, the the more you will see the world as a full picture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks as always for listening, you guys. Again, please be sure to come back next week. Follow us on social media. Uh, all linked, of course, down below. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Bye.